let's try it. Let's see. He is risen. Hey, we are pretty traditional. I'm proud of us. Good job, guys. Nice work. It's true. He's risen, and it's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter. We um, absolutely love newness. Have you ever noticed that, like, the, the freshness and the new things, when you start seeing flowers budding and grass coming out, unless you have bad allergies, the rest of us are, like, really, really excited about this new cycle and freshness. In fact, most of you, whether you've been in church once or you've been in church for a long time or you're, this is your, this is you don't even know what church necessarily is. This is just your first time here. We, we all love the idea of newness. We love the idea of things being fresh. We love what um, most of us probably have had some inclination of what Easter really means besides like eggs and bunnies and all that stuff, like what it truly means, the resurrection side of it, and Jesus Christ no longer staying in the tomb but walking out. As Lisa was just praying, the stone was rolled away and he was not there. One of the favorite statements I love in the scriptures when the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Right? We, we, we love to celebrate newness and resurrection. And most of you probably came and your brains are wired to, okay, I'm going to hear a great message or a, if it's a semi-okay message about, about newness and resurrection. And that's honestly what I wanted to do, but I think um, what we're going to do is something a little bit different, if you'll, if you'll bear with me on this. Uh, as a church, we've been challenging um, Everyone this year to spend this year in maturing. Allow this be a, be a year where God can mature you in some way or another, whether it's maturing you in what you believe in him and just the knowledge and the understanding, maturing you in following through on that understanding, maturing you in, in specifically relationships or finances. We just, we just encourage and challenge the church as a whole to mature, to allow, allow God to take us further. And, and around resurrection, the story that, that is normally preached on an Easter message is, is that Jesus, although he, he died on Good Friday, which we call good, but I can guarantee the disciples that day did not feel it as good, but we, he died. We, we start talking about what resurrection means, which is newness and new life, and Jesus no longer... Um, in pain, but back to his rightful place at the right hand of God, in supreme control, or Lord and Savior of our life. This is the resurrection that we all know, or have heard of, or expecting today. But I think we, we have to remember, because sometimes we forget, that, that resurrection actually means that he had to, to die first. The, the whole idea of him resurrecting isn't really a great thing if he was just like, mostly dead, like Monty Python, right? Like if he's just like mostly dead and then stepped out of the tomb, he's not fully dead, so there you go. That, that's not resurrection. But for resurrection to happen, for us to understand truly what it means to live in light of the truth that Jesus truly is alive. He has risen and he didn't just rise and disappear, but he rose in a new way, in a new life and leading us in a way that we can now follow him. For us to understand that and to live that way and to be able to do that thing, we have to understand first that he, he truly died. And see, I think a lot of you, if you've been here and this may be your first time in the church or you haven't been in a while or this is just kind of, you're just kind of checking out or, or whether you've been coming to church for a long time, a lot of times I think maybe it's because the church has done a, a bad job of, of what Easter really means, but I think we come with just this expectation that Easter is just something super exciting and super easy, and I'll be reminded of Jesus' resurrection today, and then about 364 days later, I'll start forgetting it completely, and then I'll be reminded again next year. And it's almost like we just use Easter or, or Resurrection Sunday as, as an excuse to just kind of make us remember that, oh yeah, he did rise from the, from the dead, as if there are no present-day implications to this. 
we walk around or move and assume, assume that, okay, this belief doesn't really affect me today. It just affects me on this time of year. And so we put our Sunday best on, especially on Easter. You got to dress even better, right? And we get all ready and get everything in place in hopes that, that maybe we'll get something that we can enjoy and, and feel good about and then move on. And so if you guys are okay with this, and um, I guess since you're sitting in here, you're, you're going to have to be, and I have the microphone, right? But on this Resurrection Sunday, on this Easter, I would like to talk about death. See, and death is, is, a, is an unnatural thing. In fact, most of us, if you've, if you've experienced the loss of a loved one, it's not something fun. And yeah, we, we talk about celebrating life that they had, but, but even when we're at death, we're trying to focus on the, the life aspect of it, not the, the actual death part. In fact, I wrote it in my notes this way, death isn't natural. Life given to us by an abundantly generous creator is natural. Death is the enemy that separates us from ourselves, from our loved ones, and most importantly, from God. It's such a curse that it required the Son of God himself to remove it so that we might live once again. And so we see this, this tension. I understand that most of us, maybe when we think about even talking about death, a lot of us are going, well, wait a minute. I wanted kind of the fluffy bunny, flowers, kind of spring idea message, right? But, but we don't get the, the newness or the understanding of the resurrection if we don't stop and pause on the fact that death had to occur for resurrection to happen. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be in just two verses today. Just two verses. I'll read them for you. Just turn if you want to. Otherwise, we'll be there. This whole section, Matthew 16, is, it's an interesting section because Jesus has um, just come off of uh, Peter confessing. The apostle Peter has confessed Jesus as Lord. So he, he's literally said, you are the son of God. And so that's the whole area where the, Jesus is like, okay, upon that belief, upon that understanding, I will build my church around this belief. And then just moments later, he then goes in and, and foretells of his death and resurrection. Jesus tells him about both. And Peter confesses, or Peter confronts Jesus in that. And says, no, no, that can't happen. You won't do it. And Jesus lovingly tells him to get behind him, Satan. So he's, he's he, it's another, I don't have the sermon for that, but we have time. But anyways, he confronts him and says, get away from me. You're, 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 you're downplaying. Your, your plans don't sync up with God's plans for salvation. That's why what Peter said was such an offense to Jesus. So anyways, he he does that and then goes in to describe, and in this part that Peter's confronting him on, Jesus says this very clearly in verse 21. He says, I must, I must go to Jerusalem. In the Gospel of John, we see that, that Jesus actually fixes his eyes on Jerusalem, and everything was up to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was up on a mount, right? So it was up higher. Fixes his eyes towards that way. It's like Jesus knows that this is the path, the final walk at which he is working his way to ultimate crucifixion, death, and resurrection. So Jesus knew he must do this. In fact, I think a lot of us forget how difficult this might have been for Jesus. So I just want to go to one verse. It's Luke 22, 42 through 44. It says, Father, if you're willing. This is Jesus in the garden. He's, he's with his disciples. He's praying. This is just before he's arrested. And he's praying. He says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like, I got hair in here. Okay, here we go. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Here's Jesus about to experience the very thing that we call Good Friday. And in a moment of just agony, he's pleading with the Lord for another way, but yet submitting himself willingly to the obedience of what God's plan and will is. Why his death was the ultimate example of man's sin against God, it was also the supreme expression of God's love for us. See, we, we, can't, we can't celebrate Easter, we can't celebrate new life and resurrection without first understanding that something must die. 
And it's not a, a, a maybe, it's a must. And so Jesus, in, in this verse right here, after he's rebuked Peter for, for confronting him, and then he comes in, he goes, he turns to the rest of his disciples and says, look, Jesus tells his disciples, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus says this very simply, just after, again, it's, it's almost as if he's trying to remind them, like, hey, hey guys, I've been, I've been saying this since the beginning. You've missed it. Resurrection doesn't just mean like, oh, I can tack something onto my life that makes what I already want and have better. No, resurrection is a total reorienting of my life, a, a complete shift of where we are. And so he says three simple things you must do. If you want to be his disciple, if you want to follow him, if you want to celebrate resurrection with those that celebrate today, you must first deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And all three of those happen in a really unique progression here. First off, I want to just be really clear. When Jesus is talking about this denying himself and taking up your cross, I think a lot of us think of taking up your cross as something like, oh, it's just a little bit simpler or whatever. In, in this day, they estimated that why Rome occupied Jerusalem some 30,000 crucifixions happened. The same brutal method at which Jesus took, 30,000 other individuals experienced publicly. So when Jesus uses the term take up your cross, which he uses over and over and over in the Gospels, there's no confusion as to what that means. To any, any Jewish person that day that heard that, or even Roman people that heard that, it's like, well, that means die. So there's not like, I think that's a, a cultural thing that we don't necessarily, it's not a language we have. We don't usually say, hey, take up your cross and, you know, walk across traffic today because it's really busy or take up your cross and drive Eagle Road because that's pretty much what it feels like, right? We don't use that term in that way. But for us, it's like, it's, it's a totally different thing. For them, it meant the same. It meant death. And so what does he say? He, first, he says first, if Jesus must suffer, in fact, First Peter 2 tells us that Christ suffers as an example for us what our suffering should look like. So the experiences that Jesus has, the, the, the suffering he goes through, is, is a model at which how we are to take in to suffering as well. We see that in 1 Peter 2. So if Jesus must die, then we must deny ourselves. This isn't optional. Deny comes from a Greek word that essentially means completely disown, complete abandonment of self. This is, a, this is, this is what denying means. It means that my ways are no longer what I choose. I abandon everything that I want in this setting, everything that is mine, everything that, that I believe is mine, I deny myself of that. Complete abandonment. To abandon self-sufficiency, it means essentially, this is, surprisingly, this word is the same word that the, the apostle Peter uses when he's um, denying Jesus three times in the courtyard. Complete abandonment. This word isn't like I must just kind of like not like myself a little bit or just kind of ease up on my desires. No, it's, it's, I, I deny myself completely. If you remember, if you've, if you've read this, the Gospels, Peter doesn't just say he doesn't know Jesus. He, he calls a curse upon himself. The, the fact that he's telling the truth, that he doesn't know Jesus at all. Complete denial. That's the same word. See, a lot of us um, struggle with this because we're called to vehemently unashamed of the consequences disown ourselves completely disown ourselves. And now, I want to be clear, self is not the unique individual made by God. He doesn't say that you, you, know, you, you abandon the created person that God has made you. No. No, he's saying, when he's saying this, it's, it's specifically more, it's more the self that is natural, sinful, rebellious, unredeemed, the fallen person. So he says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to celebrate life with me, you must first deny yourself. You must first throw off all of yourself 
and everything that you have. And this is the part, like, this is the reason why I think he starts here. He doesn't first go to die to yourself. He says, deny yourself. Many of us are, are, are unwilling to do that. In fact, we believe our self has rights, and therefore we stand in those, and I'm right for this, and therefore I get this, and this is what I deserve, and this is what I want. When the reality of Scripture teaches what we deserve, we don't want. And what we deserve, Christ took willingly for us. And then he goes on and says, take up our cross. We oftentimes try to put, put on new life without first dying. We were in, in the book of Ephesians, and I talked about the old self, new self. The old self represents a closet with lice-filled clothes, right? And there's this sweater in there that you absolutely love because it's just comfortable. And a lot of times as new creations, those that have been made new in Christ, we go back to that lice-filled closet and go, man, well, it's just, it, it just works with these shoes so well. And we keep putting on this old self to deny yourself and then to die to yourself is literally to say that the old has passed away. The old is no more. It's not even an option. If you've ever experienced death in the way we experience it here in the world, I've yet to see anyone else walk out of a tomb besides Jesus Christ. Death is not like, well, I died and okay, well, I'm alive again, surprise. In fact, Jesus is the only one that did that. I think we forget when holiness meets unholiness, there will always be a violent reaction. If you think about the cross and what happened there, the cross isn't a pretty, fluffy, bunny, flower kind of message. The cross is a gruesome, brutal message. Well, why? Because the holiness of Christ met the unholiness of us, and they collided at the cross in a beautiful sacrifice so that us as unholy people can submit to a holy God and stand holy and righteous before God. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. I think so many of us have, we've minimized taking up the cross. I've heard people literally say this, well, the cross I have to bear is a nagging wife. Those in-laws, that's my cross. Apparently I have to bear it. We've downplayed it. We've said, oh man, this is just a, a hardship in my life that I have to deal with. Uh, you know, these tough in-laws or this, you know, this difficult situation at work. When the reality to take up a cross is simply to be willing to at any price for Christ's sake. The willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even martyrdom for his sake. For us, we don't necessarily have to experience it, but brothers and sisters in the world right now are being martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. And I think so many of us hear that and we're like, man, that's hard and we want to pray for them, which is good. I think so many of us think like, I hope if someone gave me an option, you know, denounce Christ or die, that I would choose die. But a lot of us won't do it for the less things. We want to do it for our reputation. We deny Christ and our reputations at work or at school with family members because we're embarrassed or we don't want to offend or whatever it may be. So don't just assume that you're capable of going to martyr them if you can't step off the throne of yourself for your reputation or anything else. This isn't a die to my desires or die to my relationships or some compartmentalized death, but literally a die to the entirety of who I was apart from Christ. And I think this is the part where we as a church have done a really poor job of understanding this. A lot of us, we picture our death as a compartmentalized. I died to this religion, but my personal life, my relationship, my finances, my time, well, that doesn't really include that. This was a decision over here I compartmentalized. Try and do it like some male brain, right? Like, well, just pull that drawer out, deal with it, and push it back in. Okay, move on. The reality is, is, is it's, it's, it's essentially saying that everything of our life is put on the table. When we, when we deny ourselves or die to ourselves, essentially what we're saying is that everything that I am apart from Christ is on the table. Everything that I am, my time, my money, my friendships, my relationship, my reputation, my job, every single thing goes on the table. To die to yourself is literally everything. We, we have this misrepresented understanding for us to, to live in resurrection. We don't have to truly die to everything. We just have to die to part of us. 
And the truth is that Scripture is telling us when Jesus is saying, he's saying everything's on the table. Nothing gets left off. Nothing. To die to yourself is to put everything on the table. In fact, this isn't the first time that Jesus says it. In fact, in Luke 14, 27, Jesus says it this way. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross, whoever does not die to himself after he, uh, um, and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's a, that's a, that, like, let me just say that clearly. He's not, he's not saying like whoever doesn't die to himself can sometimes not be my disciple. He's very clear. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you want to live in the resurrection, you want to experience new life, you want to walk with the freedom and the hope that honestly you've been searching for in everything else in this world, then die to yourself. Give up all. Luke 9, Jesus again, verse 24 says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross once a year on Easter and follow me. It doesn't say that, does it? It says daily. I'm pretty sure, I didn't do the word study, but I'm pretty sure in the Greek that means daily. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to follow me, and deny me, you must do it daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There is no crossless obedience to Christ. Hear me on that. There is no obedience to Christ where we don't bear a cross. To, to follow Jesus, we must take up our cross and die, as he did. To die to self is to make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14 is where we see that. Or to put no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3, 3. To die to self is to literally give over everything we are to him. And so whether you have been in and around church for a very long time, or whether you have maybe dabbled in following Jesus for some, but then given up on it because it got too hard, or whether you've never experienced Christ at all, the expectation is the same no matter where you go, no matter what you think, no matter how hard you study. The scriptures are very clear about two things. The only way to God and hope is through Jesus Christ. The only way is through Jesus Christ. And the other is, is it, it's, it's all or nothing. Be clear, you, you will mess up. You will make mistakes. We all do them daily. Some of us probably made them fighting with our families on the way into church, right? Just put your clothes on, kids. I'm not saying we're perfect. But what's amazing is the blood of Jesus deems us perfect. Not by my work or my merit. And the cost is, is nothing. Really, it really is nothing. It's, it's a submission to that. But what's interesting, it's not a bait and switch. When we truly submit to that, you know what that brings? About a joyful and will, willing submission to be obedient to God. A joyful and willing. It's not a, it's not a oh, now I have to obey him because I submitted to him. No, it's I desire to obey him. Not because my own desires are not there, but because the spirit of God that lives inside me desires to be in perfect unity with our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ's blood. He then ends it with, follow me. I love this progression because so many of us, I think, even some of us that are here today have tried to follow Jesus without dying or denying. We've tried to follow him by just kind of, well, this is what's like, it's like we almost like the cliff notes. What's the cliff notes to following Jesus? Okay, well, there's this whole fall apart. I'll do that. But then when it gets tough, what's going to happen? You're going to bail. You're going to give up. You're going to throw in the towel because it's just too hard. It's just too difficult. Or it's not what you expected. Or I'd kind of hoped when I did this that my life would have these, these, these comforts in it. There's no, there's no comfort that comes from that. True discipleship is submission to the lordship of Christ that becomes a pattern of life. This is why it's a daily thing. You're not going to die to yourself today and be like, I'm good for the rest of my life. You're going to have to die to yourself daily, continually. And then in that moment of dying to yourself, the Lord is going to lead you. He's going to say, okay, great, Brent, you put that on the table. Thank you. Now follow me here. And you're going to willingly submit yourself to that or not. But let me tell you this right now. If you don't deny yourself or die to yourself, you will never follow. 
You may, you may happen to stumble along for a while, get drugged some by a, by a current situation. But the reality is at some point you'll dig your heels in and go the other way because you're too much about yourself. Jesus ends it with a, you know, whoever's gaining their life, whoever keeps their life loses it, whoever loses their life for my sake gains life. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful paradox he's teaching that ultimately anything you're grabbing onto right now to try and save by your own strength is gonna be lost. Any of you that's trying to hold on to some aspect of your life, and I think this is that table analogy. Some of us have approached Christ with, I love the idea of this whole salvation. If just by chance my brother, sister, friend was right that there is this whole like heaven, hell thing, or I, I don't know, I just want an insurance policy just in case. I just wanna, wanna kind of set it out there and hope that, that I'm good to go. But as far as, the rest of my life, I mean, I really like this aspect of me. I really like holding on to this part of my life. And Jesus says, look, whatever you hold on to, you'll lose. Whatever you hold on to, you'll lose. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but ultimately you will lose it. The scriptures teach that whether you like it or not, every knee will bow before the Lord. Jesus is very clear. He says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. So we have to deal with that. If it pushes against you, if you don't like that idea, it seems too elite, you're, you're wrestling with the Lord who created you. You're wrestling with the Lord that actually knows exactly why you're wrestling with that and still willingly offers himself for you in sacrifice. This is a focusing on God's will versus man's will kind of situation. Despite present circumstances, the overwhelming pain or implications, God's will will always be the way that is best for you. When we focus on our present pain or potential distress rather than the Lord, who has allowed the pain, we are easily prey for Satan's traps. We believe this lie that, that it's supposed to be difficult. One of my, my most favorite verses ever is, is, is the Apostle Peter. Again, if you don't know the, 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 the Gospels, Peter, in the moment of Jesus being arrested, he, he pulls out a sword and says, don't take him, and Jesus says, knock that off, heals the guy, and, and does it. So then Peter follows him into this courtyard where Jesus is on an illegal trial in the middle of the night where they're just basically, it's, they're just finding a way to kill him at this moment. And this little servant girl... <laughs> A young, young girl comes up and says, hey, weren't you with him? And he denies Jesus. It's the same word that we were supposed to deny ourselves with. He does this three times, and he, he invokes a curse on himself. If I'm lying, then may the wrath of God be deserved on me, right? He then has a moment of sadness. We've talked about this in the past, or whatever it may be. He goes back to the disciples. They fight. Whatever happens, he has this beautiful reorienting of relationship with Jesus Christ around another fire pit on a beach while he's fishing out by the Sea of Galilee. And it's in that moment he starts walking with Jesus and Jesus takes him back to his most painful spot ever and he extends him grace in that moment. Says, okay, now that you've been completely dead to this, he recommissions him. And so then the apostle Peter gets up and he starts doing amazing sermons in, in the beginning of Acts. In fact, thousands of people come to faith from his first sermon and every church since has been like, I wanna be that kind of church. Well, then the apostle Peter writes this in 1 Peter and I feel like I can't help but think that this was probably more than just a, a, a writing but this was like a, a personal thing where Peter was, was confessing this, saying this out. He says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he says, he himself, speaking of Jesus, bore my sins in his body on the tree. He, he took my spot on that tree. He took my spot even when I willingly denied him, when he told me I would do it. And yet he took my spot on that tree. He willingly bore my sins. So he bore your sins and everyone's sins. That I might, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For us to live to righteousness, we must die to sin. 
For us to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we must die to sin. We must celebrate the death, the spilling of Jesus' blood that covers us and makes us whole. And then he goes on and says, by his wounds, I've been healed, you've been healed. See, when, when Jesus gets wounded, it's not just so that we can watch a movie about how brutal it was. His wounds were very, very purposeful. The wounds he took on was for you and me. The pain he experienced was for you and me. The, the agony and the, 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 the blood drops of sweat in the garden is because he took the sin and the wrath of God at the same point from us on himself. So when he says, take up your cross or deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, that's an easy thing for us to want to do. It's not easy to do. Let me, let me get that very straight. It's very difficult. I struggle daily to deny myself and to die to myself. But it's not from lack of desire because my desire is to do exactly that. Not because God might smite me or because I want some insurance policy or because my friends are doing it right now. No, because I truly believe that he created me as he created you. And he knows exactly what is best for me and you. So why would I want to submit to myself to anything else but his ways and his will? We're going to end in some music and some communion as well, some worship and communion. So Danny's going to come up, the band as well. And I want to just give you guys a, a couple of challenges. One is I want you just to give yourselves in beautiful submission to the Lord. Maybe some of you, you guys, are, you're just been fighting it. You're so stubborn, and by, by your own standards, you're as right as right can be, but yet you know in your heart of hearts that deep down, no matter how many times you try and do this on your own, you keep hitting that proverbial wall, and it drops you every single time. And so my challenge is whether you have followed the Lord for a long time, whether you know about the Lord for a long time, whether you know him today, or this is the first time you're ever hearing about Jesus Christ, my challenge, my, my encouragement to you is submit. Surrender your life to him as Lord. Submit yourself to his ways because his ways are so much better than ours. And the resurrection that you came on the early morning to show, the, the, the life that you came to celebrate, it does happen. And we do celebrate it, but we celebrate it through the death of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing we're going to do is we're going we're to take communion. It's a beautiful opportunity for us as a, as, a, as a community to do what God has called us to do through communion. So Danny's going to talk about that, and then he's going to close us in prayer.